Welcome to Downstage Center, a presentation of XM Satellite Radio and the American Theatre Wing. I'm John von Susten, Program Director of XM28 on Broadway. And I'm Howard Sherman, Executive Director of the American Theatre Wing. We're sitting today with William Barfay and Logain Schwarzengrubenier. <laughs> I'd like to start off today by asking Ms. Grubenier, Ms. Schwarzengrubenier, Ms. Schwarzengrubenier to go first. A bit of a mouth. And spell the word hit. I'll define that for you. As in a hit Broadway show, like the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Uh, I think H-I-T. You think? I, I th- I'm actually a, a terrible, terrible speller in my <laughs> life outside of the show. When, I, when you're not Miss Schwartz and Grubenier. When I'm not Miss Schwartz and Grubenier. When you're simply Sarah Schalt- Salzberg. <laughs> yes, and I, and I don't have the words written down in a script that I can study at home. I'm actually a horrendous speller. Um, so it's good that, that I ha- have something to reference, you know. Well, that's the word that the Associated Press used. Now I'll ask Mr. Barfay, who most people call Barfy, but he prefers Barfay, don't you, Mr. Barfay? Yes. Would, would, would you spell irresistible? Uh, sure. <laughs> I'm going to break out of character and become Dan Fogler for a second because uh, – I, how do you spell irresistible? I don't want, to, I don't well, want Barfay to sound like an idiot. Well, have you read the New York Times? Is it I-R-R-I? Something like that. Oh, forget <laughs> it. <laughs> I-R-R-E. We are actors. We don't spell. It's not our strength. I think we should get to the real introduction. I can spell <laughs> hit. In, in real life. <laughs> in real, real life, Dan Fogler, who won the Tony as uh, Best Featured Actor in a Musical this year for portraying William Barfay in the 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, and Sarah Salzberg playing, I'm going to try to say this correctly now, Logan Schwartz and Grubenier. Can you spell that name? <laughs> oh, well, it, it, that took quite a while to. <laughs> well, welcome to Downstage Center. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. We're talking about a show that is literally sold out here in New York. How does it feel? That both of you are making your Broadway debuts in this show. Your first time on Broadway. You've done a lot of off-Broadway, but first time on Broadway. That must be terrific. It Spe- is. Spell terrific. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's really unbelievable. I mean, we when we first started the show uh, just a little over three years ago, our highest, highest hopes for it were that it maybe would have a limited run somewhere off Broadway. You know, I mean, never did we dream that it would have this kind of success. And it is, it's incredible. I mean, I enter, my character enters from the house every night. So I have about you know, a minute and a half where I get to see, you know, everybody sort of getting settled in their seats and I, you know, see the full house and it's it's really incredible. There's such a sense of excitement, people waiting, you know, because a lot of times people come in and they really, you know, they know it's a show about a spelling bee, but they really don't know what mm-hmm. to expect. I mean, and it really is so much more than that. So it's, uh, it's wonderful to be a part of it. And when you come in, the setting is kind of like a school gymnasium mm-hmm. with bleachers around it and we, the audience, are looking down as we would be, say, a basketball game or something at this auditorium or gymnasium you folks walk into as the kids in the spelling bee. Yeah, Beowulf uh, Board, who's the who uh, created the set, he's he's done a fantastic job. Even in the lobby, oh. when you come in, he's actually had uh, kids from different uh, schools, like in, you know, like between third and fifth grade. It's their artwork that he has plastered all over the lobby. Oh. So when you walk down, you see. Uh, you really feel as if you're in a school. But can't yeah. you look at that lobby stuff a little carefully and find some pictures that are you guys? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Actual actual photos of the cast, actual photos of the, of, uh, creative, the, the, team. the creative team. Um, yeah, there's a, there's a picture of me 
looking very cheesy. Uh, <laughs> but it's very, it's very sporty. Very sporty. But, it, but it's really an old photo of you. It's not you now? or are No, they... it's an old photo. I mean, yeah. it's, it's me, like, in, uh, I think I was 10 or 11. So, so it's a little bit of a where's Waldo or find the Nina if you have time in the lobby before or right. after the show. There's, there's real kids and you as real kids. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, you already alluded to the fact that it's been a three-year journey for this show. And, and many shows go through a lot of development. But where this show started was very different from where it is now. And it wasn't that Bill Finn and Rachel Scheinkin sat down to write the 25th Annual County Spelling Bee. You've been with it the whole time. It started, well, I would say on a farm, but it started with the farm. Tell us what that was. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, this uh, the farm was Rebecca Feldman's um, name for her revolving door improvisational troupe of, of her friends. She would uh, had this idea to um, pick a topic. Uh, in this case, it was the spelling bee. Um, She's, she did something else uh, called Super, which was about, what was it, like uh, famous people or yeah. something like that. And uh, she would pick a topic and she'd give herself two weeks. She'd get her friends together and they would improvise the entire story from scratch and in order for hoping that something would come of these little projects um, that they would just put together just to make people laugh, hoping that – Someday she would raise enough money so she could have a farm of her own, and who, she and may do it now. Creatively, you know, be able to work and things like that. Yes, and uh, so this specific specific time, she read uh, Bee Season, and she said, "I want to do a show now about spelling bees." So she called me up out of the blue. I've known her for years, uh, but never worked with her. You went to high school with her. I went to I went to high school, Poly Prep High School, uh, in Brooklyn. Um, and I, she was actually – I was never in school with her directly. I was in school with her sister. Uh-huh. But I would come to, to the school to see her act with my brothers and my, my brother in, uh, in uh, theater and shows there, which was a huge reason why I wanted to get into theater in the first place. And, and were you yourself in shows there? I wasn't even there yet. You but, know, but, I'd, but I'd come and then I'd see eventually. her. And then eventually, eventually. I – yes, I got into the theater there and did many shows uh-huh. there. And, and that was a huge uh, you know, foundation for my – my whole life. So she was aware of you both through the friendship with her sister, but also through your your work there. Yeah, uh-huh. uh, and I never worked with. Uh, I've worked with you know her her little sister Lizzie and like uh-huh. improv and, and stuff like that. But uh-huh. I never worked with Rebecca. So out of the blue, she said, "This is a perfect project for us to work together on." And, and uh, what, what what year was this? How long ago was that? That was like two thousand three years ago. Yeah, yeah, two thousand three, two thousand two, two April. Yeah. 2002 is April, when what started, or April. May, because we were, we were. I remember we rehearsed. We had rehearsal on my birthday, which is May 28th. So, it was then, okay. it, and I think we put the show on like June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd, or something like that. So, it was. I mean, it really was just about three years ago, mm-hmm. which is incredible to think about. And Sarah, how did you come to it? Where? How did you join the party? I, I'm also very good friends with Liz, Rebecca's younger sister. Um, she and I were roommates in college. We're you know, she's we all went to absolutely one of my best friends. Yeah, Dan and I uh, have been very good friends since school, done a lot of shows together. And um, so I knew Rebecca through Liz. Um, and, 
you know, and, and a lot of the other people that ended up coming on board, it was the same sort of thing. You know, somebody knew somebody else or it was, you know, somebody's boyfriend or something like that. So everybody kind of all sort of knew each other. And um, we really – and her whole theory was we've got two weeks. We've already got the space. So we better come up with something, you know. And it was that sort of like, you know, you have to get it done. And um, we came in. We were asked to come in with uh, two characters that that originally, you know, we we were going to do two characters a piece. It ended up being too long. And we uh, just chose one. Um, We sat in – Vice Principal Douglas Panch, played by Jay Reese, who's Rebecca's boyfriend now, her uh, fiance, uh, sat down and just interviewed us. And I wish we had those tapes. That would be so yeah, funny. So, who are the lost characters of right. the Spelling Bee, or at least your lost characters of the Spelling Bee? I, I came in with um, one character. I forget his name, but he was a very uh, Coney Bear kind of character. If you come to see the show, the, the part that Jesse Tyler Ferguson plays now, he was a very. Uh, the first character I brought him was like this ADD kind of, um, you know, couldn't sit still kind of kid. Uh, um, hyperactive. Hyperactive. Uh-huh. But and gives his parents agita because, he, you know, he can't, he can't sit in one place, but he's too cute to like strangle. You know, that was the kind of kid that I brought in. Very much like myself when I was a kid. Um, and then I thought, what's the opposite of that? That was uh, the super genius, you know, the kid who um, – also very much like you as a kid, I presume. Well, no. <laughs> I had – I was creative in very many ways. I didn't – I don't think I I'm, – I'm still searching for my genius. But uh, my, I stole a lot of that stuff from my brother, my brother who was reading the um, the Wall Street Journal at like four, you know. And he, uh, you know, he, everyone thought that my brother was going to become this like Einstein. Um, and so I put that into Mr. Barfy and who – he was Mr. Barfy back then. Um, because I just basically endowed him. I basically said, you know, this this character has been done before. He's the, the snotty nose, the kid drowning in his own mucus, super genius nerd with his hair parted to the side that you see and you know that you've seen before in Edith Ann and Gilda Radner in Revenge of the Nerds. You've seen it. And I thought if I'm going to do that, I got to make it really specific. So I endowed him with all the allergies that I had growing up. Me and my brother had growing up. My brother had a deviated septum. Which meant he had a collapsed nasal patches show. Which Barfay has in which the show. Barfay has in the show. Barfay came um, mostly because of the the Fogler Folger Fogler thing that goes on with my life. I said, let's give Barfay a complex with his name, so he's <clears throat> Barfay now. Um, and you know, I basically just endowed him with uh, all these all these feelings growing up. Um, that ten minutes before you're on the school bus, and the ten minutes before you're getting to school and you realize you haven't done your homework yet and you're there's a bunch of bullies there waiting to extort money from you and you know there's that nauseating feeling that you mm-hmm. get before school that's what I put into Mr. Barfy and sorry your character where did she come from and the lost character and the first. lost and the character lost one, yeah. well both of my characters I was teaching uh, improv at PS6, where I still teach. So you're, teach, you're teaching improv to children of what age? Yes, K through five. Isn't that just called pretending at that age? <laughs> <laughs> a lot of it is, you know, a lot of it is. But a lot of the exercises, we do a lot of, you know, Viola Spolin exercises. And it's actually, I mean, a lot of the kids that I have been teaching, I've been teaching for years. I mean, since the program first started. And uh, I mean, it's actually, 
they're they're like critical thinking skills, their listening skills, their response. You know, it it really sort of tightens up all those things because they don't even realize that they're doing it because they're just having fun. Mm. You know, that's the goal of sort of these exercises is for them to just sort of lose themselves. And um, so my my two characters, the first one that I brought in uh, was was Logan, who was based on this little boy actually that I was teaching at PS6, who was very very smart and very like mannered and put together and had like a little lisp. Um, and then at the same time, something would happen to him. Somebody would make fun of him. He'd fall, and he would just fall apart and just start crying. And so, you know, in one, in, you know, one second, he'd just be like this little adult. I mean, this kid had written a book. He was trying to get it published. You know, he was just very, you know, a very like Manhattan-y kind of kind of kid, um, and and a wonderful kid. But at the same time, really, still a little boy. Um, and, uh, you know, the other things, my character has two fathers, all of that stuff I endowed upon Logan, that all that stuff is, uh, is, is not true to, to Richard. But um, my other character is Caitlin, who is also based on this little girl, Caitlin, who um, kind of similar to Dan's other character was very, very opposite. She would like run up to the mic, so really, really fast and talk really, really fast and then she'd run back down. And she, she'd constantly be having to get called up back to the mic to re-spell and constantly be told to slow down and she was just like, you know, mm-hmm. had all this energy and didn't know what to do with it and, uh, you know, like wasn't was, – probably wasn't, you know, th- th- necessarily the smartest kid but certainly had the most energy, you know, and didn't know what to do with it. So um, all of these characters came together and the show at this point was named Crepuscule. Mm-hmm. And how many other people were in it with you? You mentioned Jay Reese who's still with the show. Where, there's always been nine characters. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Jay Reese has always been the vice principal. Uh, there were a couple ladies who were uh, the Rona Lisa part, mm-hmm. which is the used to be Rona Janet. Rona right? Janet, yeah. Um, and she's the one that kind of runs the, the spelling bees. Right? Yeah, she's mm-hmm. the ex champion. Ex champion who now is conducting it. Yes, from the third annual right. uh, spelling bee. And um, but most of the characters that you see today had um, very similar uh, archetypes from uh, Crepuscule, and so those archetypes have definitely carried over into this show. And the people who are working on them now have uh, you know put their own stuff into it. And for the audience who have not seen it, you're supposed to be twelve, thirteen year old kids. Right? Yeah, we're ten between ten yeah. and, and thirteen. I'm the youngest. Yeah, I'm she's ten. ten. You're ten. Yeah, and in real life, not much older. No, I'm <laughs> she's only 14. twelve years old. Yeah. This, 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 so you get this, you get this show up, presumably in a relatively small space somewhere in the lower Oof. part of Manhattan. Small. Yes. That's a in the armpit. <laughs> it's a very diplomatic way of putting it. Off in the yeah, Manhattan. literally in the armpit of the Lower East Side, and not just in the armpit of the Lower East Side, but this place was, I mean. <laughs> You're in town. You're in town. Started. You're there. in town. Started it's there. So the, uh, it, in, in the same space. In the same space. So, so it, it, it has this great. It had this smell. So where, where was it that you started? <laughs> uh, it was in the Theatorium. Uh-huh. Um, which it, was now and been condemned. It's condemned and now rats. Listen, it was so. condemned when we were going there to do the show. <laughs> the shutters were pulled down. There were locks. There was huge eviction notices up. We're like, we got producers coming to see the show tonight. So from. This place in the Lower East Side, yeah. the auditorium, to Barrington, well, to I, I Second Stage, to Broadway. What, what, what was the process? Well, we did the first show in June. That was the show where we had, had two weeks of rehearsal. And honestly, it was like, we're going to put it on. I mean, really, it's just for 
for us for fun. You know, maybe something will come of it, but there was certainly no great aspirations. It was just to make people laugh. Just to make people laugh. And we did it in this space, and um, we got a lot of people. I mean, in three days, we had... Uh, I mean, I think we sold out every night. And people after the shows were coming up to us and saying, oh, my God, that just – I got – when I was in fourth grade, I was in a spelling bee and I spelled almond wrong because I thought they were saying almond and I didn't ask for the sentence and I didn't ask for the definition. I was so stupid. People had these very emotional responses to the show that we never thought that people would have. I mean – Attached to the characters. They knew that. Uh, oh, yeah. Knew the characters. And this predated the documentary Spellbound coming yeah. out. So you were you – There were, was a collective unconscious. Yeah. It sort of came out on. at the same time I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I remember we did the show and then after doing the show, Rebecca said, you should go see Spellbound. I remember seeing Spellbound between the first and second time and saying, oh, my God. What yeah. the hell is – what is going on? There's like a real just – and I – People are just fascinated with spelling bees, and they still are. It's the, the wave is not crested yet. I think that, uh, and, I, and I, my my opinion is is that people love competition, and this is like the last pure form of competition that you can find that mm. hasn't been tainted by, uh, you know. There's there's something also very specifically American about and well, and it too. It was put on ESPN. It was like it became like yeah. a national sport. You know? Yeah, I mean. There is something about whatever is going on right now. I mean, my character is very political anyway, but it just it, uh, you know, I always think that these sort of things always sort of happen. You know, they come together for a reason, and there's something about you know in the last couple of years, people needing to win, needing to be at the top, you know, uh, nationally and sort of individually, where I think that people sort of respond to it. I mean, there's a there's a movie coming out. There's a there's a yeah, with Richard the Ge- yeah it's uh, based on B C based season, on B C season yeah mm-hmm. so but but coming back to your project mm-hmm. you're at the theatorium you've done it you put it up in two weeks yeah it, it, at least if we follow the press um, a guest that came to the show relating to your one of your side jobs is yeah. what started to launch this yeah. you were working as a weekend nanny <laughs> weekend for somebody nanny. people who listen to this uh, station might be familiar with yeah Wendy Wasserstein um, she ended up coming the second time that we did the show we did the show first for three days in June we put it up again in October for three weeks um, and I and Rebecca had worked on producing it at that time um, you know diligently really targeting producers, trying to get young producers in to come see the show, bringing in our own cleaning supplies into this, you know, (laughs) this space that was literally rat infested. And uh, Wendy, who I'd been working for for about a year, I I had told her about this show and she was like, oh, yeah, I'll come down. I'll bring my niece. She came down and, you know, she came to brought her niece and her niece's boyfriend and saw the show. You know, and of course, the whole time I'm a nervous wreck. I mean, (laughs) I've been working for her for not so long. I'm, you know... So, I mean, she's like this icon of the American theater and she's coming down to the Lower East Side to see my play, I'm, you know. And after the show, she was like – gave me this big hug. I'll never forget. She just gave me this big hug and she was like, it's great. It needs to be a musical. you got to turn this into a musical somehow, you know. And, um, and at that time, we had uh, I think about six or seven songs, original songs, but it certainly was not a musical. Um, it was a sort of a play with music. And she said, get in touch with Bill Finn – 
you know, wrote me down Bill Finstemper. I still keep the piece of paper in my bag, you know, and um, ultimately the phone call was (laughs) – Well, what's the first phone call to Bill Finn about this? Well, it was actually really interesting because um, I gave the number to Rebecca because, you know, Rebecca was going to, you know, carry it forward. I know she called Bill and, um, you know – I had talked with Wendy many times before that initial phone call was placed and she said, look, you know, he's probably not going to work on it himself because he's Bill Finn, but he works at NYU. He's got a million different people that I bet would be great for this project. Talk to him. He'll talk to one of his students. That's what I had always thought it was going to be. And Rebecca ended up calling him and he was like, well, why don't you come over? We'll see the tape. You know, she brought over the tape that we had made. Um, And the story goes that he fell asleep during during the viewing of it. You know, then he woke up and he was like, oh, it was absolutely no, you know, indication that I was bored. I loved it. You know, and then they watched it again. I I just have sleep apnea. (laughs) (laughs) And and he started writing music for it pretty much right away. I mean, I think he saw it and I've heard him say, you know, of all the shows that I've ever worked on, this show, I- I've never been stumped. I've just been able to write. Bill notoriously can be stumped for months at a time on trying to work on material. So that's really something. Yeah, it, it was it was really great. And then when we, we went and had um, a workshop in Great Barrington because, um, you know, Bill is friends with Julie Boyd who runs that theater. Now, there. have we skipped over Rachel coming into the project? Well, that's when Rachel came into the project. Uh-huh. When Rachel we, is? Rachel Schenken, who is the book writer. Yeah. Um, and she came in with Bill. She was a... a was she a colleague friend of a colleague? Yeah, she's, she's also been a student a of his, I believe, yes. at NYU. Yeah, and now she teaches there as well. Mm. Um, and she, you know, he brought her on board, and you know, and so I just remember that first day we sat down and there was a script, and you know, reading through the script and listening to some of the music, and it was like, whoa. We're... So it was really a case of they took your material and then you saw what had been done with it. It wasn't that at this point you are collaborating with them the way the piece was originally developed. Well. Not in the same way. They mm-hmm. took Frozen, what we had done, and um, and then she began the, the first process. Although it did, get, they got a little bit more flexible, you know, because just because it was coming from the improvisational uh, foundation, it wasn't enough to just suture our stuff with the music. Um, they realized very shortly, I think, that everybody needed to, to put their own little stamp on everything. And it became a true collaboration like that with a little, you know, screaming and yelling. But yeah. uh, <laughs> if, if there is any screaming and yelling, it's not worth it, you know. So now um, after new music is added, the book's been reworked and all that, now you go to Barrington? Yeah, this was in Barrington. The yeah. There. And yeah. then from And then there, we went to Barrington again in the summer uh-huh. to yes. uh, re- re- uh, rework shop it. Yeah. And uh, – and it's, that, it's worth noting that that well, it, when you say reworkshop, it was that the pr- production last summer, or you had several workshops before it went. No, into that was this. That was every time we workshopped it, that it led to this production. Because we should we should point out that when you workshop or or do a production at Barrington Stage, you are performing in a high school. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it seemed particularly apt. I, it, it, yes, we were in perfect. we were in a cafetorium. Yeah. Is the uh, correct uh, yeah. <laughs> the Less word than for a year it? Ago, yeah, this, this was last summer, summer of two thousand four, yeah. and then you transferred from there. Eventually, it made it here to second, second stage. stage yes. mm-hmm. And when was that? Earlier this year. End of that last year. was in December. End of last year. Yep. Uh, yep. And then when did it become kind of a general feeling? Hey, this thing could be on Broadway. When, when did that happen? 
Yeah, during the the off Broadway, I, for me, At off, second stage. Yeah. yeah, when I when we were there, I always thought, okay, we made it to off Broadway, right. and then once we were there, we were like, oh, this thing still's got, still has some momentum. And of course, Avenue Q had just had a very similar incarnation. It had gone through many of the same steps, had become the big hit, had won the Tony a year ago. Sure, mm-hmm. paved so a lot was, of paved yeah. a lot of way. And we should note that David Stone, who's the lead producer on the show. My understanding was he got involved somewhere up around the Barrington production last yes. summer, yes. whether he preceded it. But he certainly had looked at it, and even in terms of it coming in to second stage, David had already taken oh, yeah. interest in he, the show commercially. Yes, he, he took had us been under involved very from the very beginning, which um, I, I give him a lot of credit for. I don't think that there's, you know, I mean, we were this. You know, I don't even know. If at, a very, at a very, at a very early, early, stage, early stage, he saw something very special. Or is, yeah. Was he involved even before Bill became involved in the show? Or was I think at the same I time? I think it yeah. was at that okay. time. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, I, I remember finding out that he was involved way after the fact that he had been involved, and I was like, oh my god, he was involved then. Yes. I mean, we were literally like he was. The Oz behind the yeah. curtain. Well, and, and that's and that a good comparison yes. just because we should mention that David is, is one of the key producers of Wicked, which mm-hmm. certainly is a success and gave him the opportunity certainly to go out and explore more shows that were dear to his Absolutely. heart. Absolutely. Yeah. So. And we're talking about William Finn having written the music and the lyrics for the show and having a Tony nomination for that, I might add. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd like to play a song from it now and then come back to, to more chatting about it. And, Dan, I think we'd like to start with, with, with you, play one of your songs. Now, there's okay. a device that uh, Barfay has to enable himself to spell very well. Yes, his um – would you like to, to know how that came about? Yes, please. For those who haven't seen the show. Yes, for those who haven't seen the show. <laughs> how, how, um, how, how did you develop when this we were, technique? Yes, when we were um, – like I said, when we brought in our characters, we decided we're going to use Mr. Barfi um, for Crepuscule. Rebecca Feldman had us uh, study the Nationals and watch these kids and watch their quirks and some kids would – um, get their word and talk into their hands so they would be, be able to um, you know, pronounce the word correctly. And Dan is cupping his hand over his mouth yes. so I cannot see his lips <laughs> as he's saying this. <laughs> I can't do it without – yeah, this is an audio uh, uh, venue. I'm sorry. I, uh, so anyway, so I, some kids would also write invisibly with their fingers – on their sleeves or Dan on the, is indicating on his arm <laughs> that he's writing invisibly. Or on the backs of their placards. I'm also doing this um, <laughs> invisibly. So I thought – if I like the idea of the invisible writing in order to help memorization. I thought this kid um, is going to do this invisible writing except he's not going to do it with his finger. He's going to do it with his entire leg, his entire – his foot across the entire floor – for all of these kids to see because he wanted to show off. You know, this was the one place where these kids were able to shine. So he developed a magic foot. Yes. And that was his method of, uh, of spelling. Dan Fogler in the character of William Barfay using his magic foot to help him spell out the words. <laughs> and you do that with such body English in the show. <laughs> you put your whole being into that. Yes, yes. Uh, it comes from years and years of doing James Brown impressions <laughs> when I was doing stand-up comedy. Flipping my legs around like a maniac. When, when were you doing stand-up? Oh, right out of college, like uh, 99, uh, between 99 and uh, 2003. and then I got Long, out. long time ago. Yes, yeah. long, long Ages. time ago. My gosh, I am just... So on, on your nights off on Mondays, do you do stand-up anywhere? 
on well, Mondays. Or, no, or, or I, will I, you? <laughs> I got out of it. You know, I wanted to do that. Was that's a dark, dark world. You know, it's you against the world, and I, I, I needed people to play with. You know, so I, I got out of that quick. I got into improv, and I got into acting. Shara, how did you get into acting? Well, I've always acted since I was a little little girl and always had a flair for the dr- I've always been a big ham. Uh-huh. And um, when I was in high school, really seriously thinking about what kind of school I wanted to go to. Where, where were you in high school? In Brooklyn also? Uh, no, in Bo- right outside of Boston, Needham, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I, I remember thinking about where I wanted to go to school, and um, BU seemed really attractive to me because Washington it was University. close. I could still bring my laundry home, and um, you know. But it was oh, when we were there; it was a cuts program, so they don't cut anymore. No. What does that mean? It means that after your second year, about a half of the class is just cut from the program, and that's it. And uh, it's very hard because it's so you a go conservatory. From like Forty to twenty. Yeah. And then some of those kids go off the deep end and you yeah. know, like Ooh, it's we... survivor in school. Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. And uh, and it was hard. It was really it was hard. I mean emotionally it was a hard journey to go through. But I remember thinking, you know, I wanna go because if I'm not good enough, better to find out, you know, now. Not that even I mean, being good or not, being cut from BU doesn't really have anything to do with whether or not you're talented. Um, you know, but it 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 was a very interesting. Well, they had a good eye when they were picking people. They did have a but good. But they did let a lot of people go. I thought had a lot of potential. Yeah. Anyway, it's not a cut system anymore, so I think it's um, a much different school now. But um, yeah, and so uh, and then I came to the city with Dan right after we graduated, and you know, just been doing a lot of you know. Off, off Broadway. I was doing a lot of improv at the Upright Citizens Brigade, and um, you know, performing around the city, and uh, doing a little show called The Spelling Bee at the Theatorium. It's it's perhaps an awkward segue, but when you talk about people along the way and and changes with Spelling Bee, obviously there were other collaborators, and you've made the whole journey, but I, I have to mm-hmm. assume there were yes. some other people back from that production. And are they, is there still contact with them? Uh, have they been in to see what the show has evolved into? Because these characters, I presume, based on the way you've described it, are people that some of them may have created as well. They were, they were the, the archetypes were there, but I have to say that in this show, all of the actors that are playing the parts now had, I mean, a huge, huge um, influence on who these characters are. I mean, they, they made up these characters. They developed them. But the ones that were there in the beginning, they were definitely, uh, and they have come back and, and, and seen the show. And there are people who are definitely uh, bitter. There are people who are very happy, uh, you know. There's some people who chose to leave, who didn't, who chose not to continue. There yeah. were some people who there were some people that weren't able know. to uh, evolve and uh, adapt to the singing part of it. You know, my voice was not fantastic um, when we first started this, and it's really it, it, you had to rise to the occasion. You know, and as you've played in different venues, the kind of audience that comes to something on the Lower East Side is certainly different than the kind of people who turn up in in Great Barrington, Massachusetts versus mm-hmm. the audience at, at Second Stage. Have the audiences changed or have they influenced the show? Has the reaction been different as the journeys continued? 
what I what I've noticed is that because it's such a universal theme, um, it's good from kids who are from eight to to, to eighty eight. You know, it's and the sense of the sense of raucous insanity because of the, the competition aspect of, of the show has stayed throughout every single incarnation. And the real live that it's happening now. I mean that it's that anything could happen, that it's you know, we're here on stage but we're not in a different world than you are. We're in the same world and we're interacting with you. We're using you as our as our spelling bee audience. You Absolutely. know they're our parents, they're our friends, they're the ki- they're other kids, you know, we, we we look at them. You yeah. Know, there is no fourth wall. Well, what's also interesting is you actually select a couple audience members to go up on stage with you, and they actually get a chance to spell. Yeah. yeah. And they get the most applause. They do. <laughs> because We've had standing ovations in the middle of shows. Yeah. I remember one the night that I saw it a few months ago, um, one of the people was a kid. He was probably 12, 13, 14 years old himself, and he was spelling things correctly. They couldn't get rid of the kid. Yes. yes. <laughs> that happens a lot. Actually, if you, if you spell it out, if you think of the words that give you phonetically, it's kind of easy. And if you keep it cool, you can do it. And a lot of these but it's very hard but to But that do. kid, I, I, I some kids that are like national champions. They don't tell us, you know, they're national spelling bee <laughs> champions. Oh, really? And like, then they like, show like, up. Well, now like, they're probably like hoping to get chosen. Right, exactly. A plant, huh? Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, I mean, we, there was one kid a couple weeks ago who was, I mean, an incredible speller. And usually they do tell us, but for some reason it didn't get communicated. And we were like, how does cracks. he know how to spell these words? He's incredible. And the fact it was like Jay Reese was giving him the sentences and. He wasn't even listening to the yeah. sentence. He was like, okay, can I spell it now? Yeah, I just yeah. want to spell it. You know? yeah. Amazing. And does Jay have an endless uh, supply of those there? Because I noticed he's credited for, for writing and I assume those absurd definitions are yes. his creation. Yeah. But does does he have some reasonable depth there of what he can ask people? Or <laughs> do, you, do new words crop up in different performances? He is uh, usually one week ahead of everybody. He's always got a dictionary under his arm and – He's coming up with at least two new words a week, I think. So, so the words do change. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. There's a core that stay the same, obviously. The know, ones for the audience members, not right. for you guys. You're, you're always getting the same? We're basically getting the yeah. same. Yeah. yeah, all the time. You say basically. Does he ever shoot At like singer? 1% of the time, we'll want to change it up because we're getting a little uh, bored. But does he ever surprise you with a word? No, no, no. He God, used no. to. They used to. <laughs> well, if you well, got knocked out during... of the competition early, it would change the whole right, thing. Right, exactly. Then you'd be right back to improv. All during Crepuscule, where we would be getting, because we never knew what words we were getting. And we literally never spelled them right. Never. <laughs> and the B would be over, but they couldn't get us out. And people would come up to us, they'd be like, you spelled every single word wrong. How did you say the B? That's the fear that I had spelling irresistible earlier. <laughs> I, have a, I have a feeling that we should be playing another song right about now. Sarah, why don't you pick one from the show? All right. Um, well, I'd like to play my song, uh, which is called Woe Is Me. And it's my, my character sort of having... Almost like a little mini nervous breakdown in a, in a sense. First, kind of set up your character. You're kind of like, like an overachiever. Yes, right? very yeah. much an overachiever who has two dads who uh, put a lot of pressure on her and they're uh, very political and they're very uh, goal-oriented – and uh, and so a lot of what is inside of her that is so confusing is that she also is interested in politics and she is also goal-oriented, but she wants to have it be for herself, not that she's doing it for her dads. And so, you know, she's sort of at that age where she's trying to figure out, sort of draw the line between herself and her fathers. And, um, you know, this song is sort of her calling out to them, just being like, Can't just – 
just sort of love me for who I am. Don't love me because I'm going to, you know, because I have to be the number one speller or because I, you know, am forming all sorts of political groups against the current administration or, you know, whatever else. So. And uh, it's it's Carl Schwartz and. Dan yeah. Rubinier. Oh, yeah. And my two dads are um, Daniel Schwartz and Carl Grubinier. So my last name is because they, they couldn't decide. Schwartz and Grubinier. Yes, that's right. <laughs> And the song is Woe Is Me, Sarah Salzberg as Logan Schwartz and Grubinier from the 25th <laughs> Annual right. Putnam County Spelling Bee, Woe Is Me. Before we went on the air, you pointed out that at least one of the songs on the album, if people have the, the CD or look and get the CD, is not actually in the show. And where did that song come from and is there other material that, that's sure. not in the show anymore that, that people would be curious about? Yeah, that song is such a great song. And I so just the title is um, why we like spelling. why we like spelling. Yeah, it's uh, such a great song. But I I think that we had that in Barrington, and there was another song that um, um, Rona Lisa Rona Janet Rona Lisa Peretti Janet, whatever her name is now, <laughs> uh, has changed so many times. She used to sing a song um, about what was it called? Remember, I remember. Um, uh, why I can't remember, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Hepburn was apparently. I don't remember show. anything at all. That was what it was called. I don't remember uh, anything at right, all. Right, I don't remember about her at all. being the champion and and claiming that she doesn't remember that time of her life at all. When really, that's all she can think about. Um, but yeah, they. I mean, there have been so many different versions of the show and reworkings and trimming the fat, and uh, I just think that they, they they couldn't quite figure out where to place the song and you know wanting to keep it a one act play was you know we sort of had to cut everything out that was extraneous but it is a great song yeah the why i love spelling that was all the kids all the kids getting together and um really uh, you really see why they need to do this you really see why they it's like i said earlier you know they 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 do this because it the spelling, the spelling bee, it makes them feel normal. It makes them feel like they, you know, here everybody is the same. You know, everyone's, you know, outside of this venue, um, they are nerds and misfits. Because you're already talking about one step. I mean, this isn't just the school bee. These are all kids that have won the school bee. So they're all sort of on the same plane (laughs) here, you know, and can really relate to each other in a way that they probably don't relate well, other you, kids at all. you use the word relate. I think that's a, an excellent word to basically describe the show because the audience can relate not as a spelling bee but as people growing up, adolescents, 10, 12, 13 years of age. Everybody has gone through the same thing about wanting to be accepted by others. It's So it's full of like human emotion. So the, the, the spelling aspect is just the vehicle that carries the story along, whereas each one of the people up there has his or her own story that you're, that you're telling on stage. That's right. The plot isn't so much – a spelling bee. It isn't so much who's going to win the spelling bee. It's how are each of these kids going to find their paths, you know, and each kid through the through the show really does sort of discover who they are in a sense, you know, and they, you know, come to terms with it a little bit. Yeah. Well, the second... The uh, 25th annual Putnam – why am I second – I'm thinking second stage. The 25th (laughs) annual Putnam County Spelling Bee is basically almost sold out every performance. I think people will still get tickets in the future if they're coming to New York. Oh, yeah. uh, We would encourage them to do that. And for 
us, we thank you for both being here today. William Barfay, known in real life as Dan Fogler. And I'm going to try to say it one more time. Logan Schwartz and Gruben here. Sarah Salzberg, thank you so much Thanks for being here. Thanks for having us. us. Thank you, gentlemen. For the American Theatre Wing, I'm Howard Sherman, reminding our listeners that these programs and all of the educational and media work of the American Theatre Wing is available online, on demand, for free from our website, www.americantheaterwing.org. And for XM Satellite Radio, I'm John von Susten for Downstage Center. That's a wrap, and thank you.